You're listening to All Things A Story. I'm Akshat. A barn owl sitting comfortably inside a tree hole is looking down. As far as the eyes can see, there's nothing but a melancholy quiet. A man has just stepped out of a horse carriage. He starts walking a long road ahead. He's wearing a long black overcoat and walking swiftly through the bone-hollowing German winter. His face looks withered. Rough. The scars from a smallpox still visible on his face. The disease almost took his life when he was a child. His eyes look dead. He has seen everything that a man should not. Hopeless shoulders hanging low, but he keeps on walking. His mind is racing, juggling between unknown facts and a tragic fiction. He feels guilty about the fact that few days ago his mother has been accused of witchcraft. He considers himself responsible for whatever his mother was going through. He is here to defend her, to save her from a certain death. He keeps walking ahead. The owl sitting inside the tree hole looks at the man walking on the terrains filled with snow for one last time before shifting his gaze. A black overcoat moving forward on a white landscape is fading into distance. What's left behind is an image, a sequence of lonely footsteps temporarily etched on the snow. The fading footsteps belong to a man without whom mankind wouldn't have been able to leave its footmarks on the moon. Without whom Armstrong couldn't have said one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The footsteps belong to a man who strongly felt the presence of a force that controls the movement of heavenly objects. He not only felt its presence in a different light, but also understood its importance. Decades later, Newton revolutionized our understanding of motion and this force, gravity, became a household word. This man has envisioned speed synthesis centuries before computers existed and dreamed of space travel 300 years before we entered into space. He looked at this planet of ours with deep empathy. He believed that Earth is a living organism that that can inhale and exhale, a planet that can fall sick and can heal itself. 3 centuries later, the marine biologist and writer Rachel Carson would reimagine a version of this view, woven of science and stripped of mysticism, as she makes ecology a household word. He also wrote the world's first science fiction book, The Dream, The Somnium, which became the very reason for his mother's misfortune. He is perhaps the unluckiest man in the world and perhaps the greatest scientist who ever lived. His name is Johann Kepler and this is 1617 AD. His life is full of tragedies and moments of grand ecstasies. He had looked at the sky with a childlike wonder and had opened the doors of new perception for an entire human race. A man of supreme vision, a man who was going to change the way we looked at our world, the way we perceived cosmos. This man is racing against time so that he can save his poor mother from a certain death. The whole village thinks that she is a witch. A rational man was about to defend his innocent mother against religious fanatics. We'll jump in time from here and there to different people in different eras, but for now we'll hold on to young Kepler. Kepler, one of the greatest scientific minds we ever had, wanted to be a Lutheran minister. He wanted to be a theologian, a man who preaches religion. Kepler was interested in the movements of heavenly bodies. He was interested in astronomy. Soon he came to know of a Copernican claim that Earth is not at the center of the solar system. Rather, Earth moves around the sun in a circular path. 
he wrote a thesis defending Copernican claim. Even Galileo was amazed that somebody so young had the courage to say these things. He wrote to Kepler that he had been a believer in the Copernican system himself for many years and yet he hadn't dared to stand up for it in public. And Galileo wouldn't do the same for more than 30 years. Kepler's radical ideas rendered him too untrustworthy for the church. After graduation, he was banished across the country to teach mathematics at a Lutheran seminary in Graz. When Kepler was completely engrossed in the idea of endlessness of cosmos and the driving force that binds the movements of planets and universe and whatnot, the world was consumed in the darkness of religion. Superstitions Women were accused of being a witch. Exorcisms, cheap tricks were sponsored by kings and their ministers to infuse terror of religion in the heart of commoners. A beetle crawling out of someone's mouth, a fire erupting out of someone's belly, church controlled everything. It manufactured opinions and consent. It promised redemption. Science couldn't do that. It was still taking its baby steps. Protestants were forced to marry by Catholic rituals and have their children baptized as Catholics. Homes were raided, books were confiscated and destroyed. And when Kepler's infant daughter died, he was not allowed to bury his daughter because he refused to go by Catholic norms. He had to pay the price. Kepler then decided to migrate. 17 years ago, he accepted an invitation from another Danish astronomer, Tycho Brahe, who was a master of documentation. He was maintaining meticulous records of the planetary movements of the solar system. Kepler started to study those observations. He was soon offered a permanent position of a royal mathematician to the Holy Roman Empire. When Kepler went back to collect his family, the church there forced him to accept Catholicism. He denied and his entire family was banished from the city. He returned to Bohemia but found out that Tycho Brahe is dead. Kepler was appointed as his successor and he inherited his data. Over the coming years, Kepler drew many conclusions and formulated two laws of planetary motion. His observations and conclusions revolutionized the human understanding of the universe. While he wrote the first science fiction, The Dream, he was already a prominent scientist. His decade-long rigorous study on the data provided by Tycho Brahe helped him to calculate the orbit of Mars after 70 failed trials, which laid the foundation for measurement of heavens. His first law destroyed the notion that Earth is at the center of the solar system. He stated, planetary orbits are elliptical, with the Sun at the focus. He then gave the second law, planets move proportionally faster in their orbits when they are closer to the Sun. And then it took him 22 long years to come up with the third law of planetary motion. Kepler's third law explained the relationship between the distance of a planet from the Sun and the amount of time it took to orbit the Sun. Together, these laws of celestial mechanics revolutionized astronomy. It would help compute for the first time the distance of planets from the Sun, the measure of the heavens in an era when the solar system was thought to be all there was. That anxious morning of 1617, as Kepler was walking towards his mother's trial, he tightly clutched to a battered copy of Dialogue on Ancient and Modern Music by Vincenzo Galilei, his sometimes friend, Galileo's father. One of the most profound and influential treaties on music, a subject that has always enchanted and fascinated Kepler as much as mathematics. Kepler saw both of them as sequential arrangements of truth. Newton would later refine Kepler's three laws of motion with his formidable calculus and rich understanding of the underlying force as the foundation of Newtonian gravity. In a quarter millennium, the mathematician Catherine Johnson would draw on these laws in computing the trajectory that lands Apollo 11 on the moon. 
They would guide the Voyager spacecraft, the first human-made object to sail into interstellar space. As Kepler took a halt to gather some breath, he looked back and saw the lonely imprints of his footsteps on the long white bedsheet. He saw a battered life, withered with pain and suffering, a life full of sorrows. His beloved six-year-old son was dead. The emperor who offered him the permanent position of the royal mathematician, King Rudolf, was dead. His wife was dead. And his mother was about to be sentenced because everybody thought that she is a witch. But why everybody thought that she is a witch and why Kepler felt guilty about it? It has, it has a lot to do with the first science fiction book that he himself wrote. After Kepler formulated the first two laws, he had ample mathematical evidence affirming Copernicus's theory that Earth moves around the Sun, though not in circular motion, but follows an elliptical path. He also coined the term orbit and had laid foundation for classical physics. He wanted to let commoners know about this universal truth and the rules that govern the motion of planets in our solar system, but he knew that all these laws are too complicated to grasp for people without any literacy in science. He wanted to illuminate people through stories. As the poet Muriel Ruxia said that the universe is made of stories, not of atoms. As the book 21 Lessons from 21st Centuries, written by Yuval Noah Harari, begins with the words that human thinks in stories rather than in facts, numbers or equations. Kepler already knew that. He decided to share this revelation where he can illustrate that the earth is indeed in motion and it moves around the sun in the form of a story. In the story, the dream, the somnium, there is a young astronomer who is very eager to know about the universe. He also happens to be a student of Tycho Brahe. There was another main character in the story, the boy's mother. She's a herb doctor. And she's blessed with supernatural powers to conjure up spirits that can assist her son in his lunar voyage. Kepler's own mother, Katrina, was a herb doctor. By then, people in his village were aware of Kepler's achievements. They knew who he was. He was an astronomer, just like that boy in the story. They knew who was Tycho Brahe, and they knew who is the mother of the young astronomer, the herb doctor, the witch. It was Katrina Kepler. People thought that the dream is not a work of fiction, it's an autobiography, and Katrina was brought to trial. Katrina Kepler was a prickly woman. She was known to brawl. She was a herb doctor, a healer, and she won't take shit from anyone. And it all started with a rumor. It's like fake news, a WhatsApp forward. So here we go. A local barber heard the story of the novel The Dream and then began to recite it to all his customers. He had a bone to pick with Kapler's mother, Katrina. Barber's sister, Ursula, was a friend to Katrina. She once shared a secret with Kapler's mother that she had become pregnant and the father is not her husband. Then Katrina shared this information with Kapler's younger brother and the news that Ursula is pregnant with an illegitimate child started to roam around the village. Ursula had to secretly abort this child. She felt weak afterwards, probably because of the pain and the blood loss. And for her condition, she accused her friend Katrina that she had casted a spell on her. She then went on to convince other people that Katrina is a witch. Soon enough, one woman claimed that her daughter's arm had grown numb after Katrina brushed against it. 
A butcher's wife saw that pain pierced her husband's thigh when Katrina walked by. She was accused of appearing magically through closed doors. A schoolmaster accused her that 10 years ago he had taken a sip from a cup at Katrina's house. He had been limping since that night. Many animals and infants have died because of her presence in close proximity. But what triggered everyone the most that Kepler's infant daughter named after Katrina died of epilepsy. His 4-year-old son also died of smallpox and her own son had depicted her as a sorcerer in the story. And Katrina herself didn't help her case. She tried to bribe the magistrate with a silver chalice. Her act was interpreted as an act of admission of guilt. She was then summoned to the witchcraft trials. Kepler devoted six years of his life to trials, but no one heard his petitions. Kepler turned himself into a detective and decided to disapprove each of the accusations and abuses hurled against his mother. He relied on facts and interrogated people around. He confirmed that Ursula was feeling weak because she had an abortion. The teenage girl's arm went numb because she carried up too many bricks that day. The schoolmaster had lamed his leg by tripping into a ditch and the butcher was suffering from lumbago, pain in muscles, but none of his justifications worked. Thousands of women were executed because they had some unladylike quality. They seemed more free in expressing themselves. They didn't care about the customs. They were a threat to the idea of male dominance in the society. Five years into the ordeal, Kepler's mother was arrested. When armed guard barged into her daughter's house, she hid inside a wooden chest. She was naked at the time, as she often slept during the hot summers. She put on a robe and looked visibly calm. She's a woman and she didn't even cry. She didn't even resist. She must be guilty, murmured the crowd. She has made a deal with the devil. No remorse. Horrible lady. Kepler had to explain to jury that he had never seen his stoic mother cry. She didn't even shed a single tear when his father died. She had suffered through uncountable losses and she had always maintained her calm. Church cautioned her apathy and insensitivity. She was sent to jail. This elderly woman who had outlived her era's life expectancy by decades would spend the next 14 months imprisoned in a dark room, sitting and sleeping on the stone floor to which she was shackled with a heavy iron chain. She faced the threats with self-possessions and confessed nothing. In the last recourse, Kepler uprooted his entire family, left his teaching position and travelled again to his hometown. After years of exerting reason against superstition, Kepler ultimately succeeded in getting his mother acquitted. But the 75-year-old woman who never recovered from the trauma of the trial and the bitter German winter spent in the unheated prison, she died shortly after she was released. Kepler was devastated. He just wanted to awaken the sleepers and turn them into dreamers through his story, The Dream. He was so tired with his life. But he was this resilient man who would never back down. He was completely lost after his mother died. He got obsessed with this story, The Dream, and started adding footnotes to each and every page of the novel. He wanted to explain people what he precisely meant by this lunar voyage. Whatever he tried to say, however he tried to say it, everything got lost in translation, but not his legacy. As we are about to finish this story, I dream of an image, a night full of stars. A young boy accompanied by his mother is gazing at the sky. The mother is telling him how to read the position of stars and predict the arrival of any weather. 
and then his mother point towards a comet visible in the night sky this is the birth of the dream that will change the course of our history and future kepler died in 1630 but 3 centuries later a telescope was launched into space before retiring it hovered into deep space collecting data that revealed our night sky to be filled with mysteries billions of hidden planets this telescope has discovered 2600 planets from outside our solar system many of which could be promising places for life it has proven that there are more planets than stars in our galaxy and knowing that revolutionizes our scientific understanding of our place in the cosmos its discoveries concludes that almost 50% of the stars in the sky are likely to have small possibly rocky planets similar in size to earth within the habitable zone of their parent stars where water could pool on the planet surfaces we have still so much to learn about whether any of them could host life the telescope is obviously known as the kepler space telescope in a letter to robert hooke isaac newton wrote if i have seen further it is by standing on the shoulder of the giants kepler is one of those giants sometimes our stories are so grand that one lifetime is not enough we die but the story lives on and on and on we die thinking so that's it mine was a sad one but it's not you think it's sad but it's merely orifice for another beginning thank you kepler a lot of credit goes to the writer of the brain pickings maria popova she has written this amazing book called figuring go check it out and i have taken a lot of words and nuances from the same book from the very first chapter also you can follow me on twitter it's all things same call in a story all things a story yeah so that's it for today we'll meet soon bye bye